What's good, fam? It's your man, Norm, here. Are you following us on social media yet? If not, you may find us on all of the major social platforms such as Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and even LinkedIn. Find us at New Numa. That's P-N-E-U-P-N-E-U-M-A. From there, you may find myself and Justin and follow our personal accounts also. As you know, feedback helps everyone grow and we need your feedback. If you want to join our team, have suggestions on how we may improve, if you want to be interviewed by us, or if you have someone you would like for us to interview, please email us at new.numa.podcast at gmail.com. And last but not least, if you would like to see our podcast grow to that next level, you may also give financially to the cause whenever you feel like it by going to our anchor.fm page, clicking on the button that says support this podcast. We will greatly appreciate you sowing into the vision to help us spread the good news about the truth of God's kingdom worldwide. Thanks for your support and keep it locked right here. What's going on, Norm? I'm good, man. How you doing? I'm well, sir. I'm well down here in sunny Florida. That's what's up, man. Well, for those that don't know, this is a historical moment. For the first time ever, I'm interviewing a member of my family (laughs) (laughs) on my podcast. It's very, very, very interesting, um, <clears throat> but it's coming at a time when it's actually most needed. Um, for those that are listening, uh, let me just tell you a little bit about who you're about to hear. This is my uncle. His name is Tim. Uh, he and I share. His first name is my middle name. When we were growing up, we grew up like brothers. He's about six and a half years older than me. So we grew up as brothers. Um, we were tight. We, uh, Me, myself, uh, my, my uncle and my cousin, we were known as the three amigos when we were growing up because we were hanging out with each other so much and um, just doing all kinds of stuff, whether we would be playing our musical instruments at a college or a church or something like that or singing somewhere, you know, singing some some Christian songs by the group called Commission or the Winings or whatever, we were all over the place. And um, a lot of my best childhood memories come from being with my uncle here. And um, <clears throat> like I said, it's an honor to have him on here, the first of hopefully some others to come along. But um uh, the one other thing I want to mention is that there was a significant moment which it really made me dream a little bit, but I was like, man, I don't know if that dream will ever come true, but I was thinking about that moment when you came, you just happened to come into town and um, to Baltimore, and uh, I was having an event that weekend. And then yeah, you, yeah. you said, "Hey man, you should let me play for you." I was like, "Yo, I will be, I will be more than happy to have you play for me." Like it was like that. It was a moment where I was just like, "This is something I've dreamed of." Like if I had all of my family here together in one spot, it would be a whole lot more that I'll be able to do. But I was like, you know, I mean, I understand that it is what it is. We all have our different places we, we, we've been going and whatnot. But uh, it was just one of those moments that it stands out in my mind because it was so, it was such a powerful night. That day was very yes, powerful, was. the things that happened. <clears throat> and um, it was, to me, it was like a foreshadowing of the future. But, um, you know, one day, you know, prayerfully we'll be able to do something like that again and, It'll be on a much larger scale, but um, that was a significant moment in time for me. Um, and, you know, 
just to kind of, and I'm, I'm going to ask you questions about this later, but I'm going to just tell people for them to kind of, I'm, I'm literally kind of tooting your horn for you. You know what I'm saying? What, what I'm about to say, but you know, um, my, my uncle, he's self-taught, uh, with playing the keyboard, the drums, piano, all those kind of things. I mean, he literally, if I remember the story correctly, he was given a keyboard or piano at the age of 13, and he learned how to play by ear from that point on, and he became just an awesome keyboardist that is just amazing. It blows my mind when I hear him play the, play the keyboard the way he does. And um, so he also, and I, I'm, I'm, I want him to tell the story because I got to hear it. But um, he also, some reason, came up with the idea that he was going to form a choir <laughs> out of four little kids. <laughs> and all I know is that <laughs> I was the oldest, so here I am. I'm about eight, nine years old. The next one down is an eight-year-old. Then after that is like a six-year-old and then a five-year-old. I don't know what in the world made him think that we all could be in a group that would be a choir, essentially. And it, it was just, it's amazing. But we used to go a lot of places. We would sing, and people were just blown away by us. I mean, it's obvious that we had an anointing on us to sing and all that. But um, yeah. how he That's knew right. it and how he even knew to do that, I have no idea. But like I said, we're going to hear the story today because I got to hear about that <laughs> one. But um but he's played with people such as the Winans, you know. Um, I know that he's been around John P. Key and, and some other people. There are people that, you know, I'm, and he's going to talk about it because I'll ask him about it. Um, it's just amazing the steps that his life has taken, the, the, the things that he's gone through and faced and, and come to this point. So without further ado, I just want to thank, um, I want to thank him for being on the show today with me and just, Say welcome to the show, Tim. Thank you, Norman. Thank you. I appreciate that greatly, man. Um, I, I'm not one for flattery. I don't. I don't do a lot of giving of flattery, and um, it's hard to to receive it. Everything I've done and accomplished, um, I thank God that it's it's been because of His grace and Him allowing me to um, you know live and breathe to see another day. So. Um, with that being said, um, we had a specific topic that we were going to talk about today. And before I get into that, I um, just want to share a little bit, a um, little bit of background about myself. Um, as Norman already said, I, I grew up in the church. My mother was a born-again, um, saved, sanctified preacher. Love her dearly. Um, may she rest in peace. But it was through her walk with God that I was able to accomplish a lot of things that I've done, most of the things that I've done um, in my life, being able to hear the voice of the Lord, be able to be obedient and move forward in the different things that um, he spoke into my life and for others. Um, had some pitfalls in the midst of all that. Um, didn't always listen to mom or the voice of the Lord. I thank God for his grace because he still kept me in spite of my disobedience. Um, moved on and I served proudly in the United States Army. Um, in the United States Air Force, I'm a combat veteran. Um, I am a current civil service employee for Department of Defense. Um, I'm a proud father of four boys, two girls, um, who are also awesome young men and women musicians, singers, um, athletes, um, stellar um, scholars in school. And I thank God for that. Um, I thank God for what I was able to impart in them that helped them to move forward in life. And so today I find myself here on the show because of um, the opportunity that presented itself um, to talk a little bit about the current climate in our culture and how that reflects on the Department of Defense. Um, and African Americans 
people of all colors and backgrounds that work for the Department of Defense in uniform or as civilians. Um, you know, normally lots of times people tend to overlook um, certain parts of life, certain segments, certain career fields and organizations and think that um, there's not racism there. There's not people being abused, um, their livelihoods being put in jeopardy because of someone's personal feelings and vendettas that they have against them. But that's not the truth. Um, you know, on the street, we hear it said that Department of Defense is the biggest gang in the world. <laughs> you hear what I'm saying? Um, uh -huh. That's, that's a, a very, very true statement um, in spite of the slang that's used to describe it. The Department of Defense is truly the biggest um, gang, organized gang in the world. And so while it defends our country, um, it does great things across the world, it also, <clears throat> within it, has people, flesh and blood, that have their own specific views, agendas, and they use their power and authority to act out those particular um, agendas. <clears throat> so, Tim, um, just because, you know, whenever I have someone on here the first time, I like to go a little more uh, deeply into who they are just so the audience knows who they're listening to. And uh, uh -huh. so I'm going to ask you, huh? Go ahead. Oh, so I'm going to I'm going to ask you some other questions before we really get into that part, because that's definitely going to be we're going to definitely get into that. <clears throat> but before we get to that, I want to just talk more about who you are, so that people understand, you know, where you're coming from and some things like that. So, um, so I know I well, not it's not obvious, but. You were born in Baltimore, Maryland, and you were yes. growing up yes. with with three siblings. I want you to speak to um, specifically what it was like growing up in Baltimore and the time you grew up here before you moved, and just talk about that. And then we'll then I'll ask you some some other questions after that. Wow, that's um, you know, Norman, that's still a very sensitive subject for me to this day. Um, I'm in my 50s, thank God, but I can still remember um, back to when I was five or six years old, <clears throat> growing up without um, my father being in the home with us, not knowing necessarily why, but knowing he was out there somewhere. But um, again, he wasn't there with me, so it's me, your grandmother, um, my brother, your mom and your auntie Sheila, and um, I'm the youngest. I'm the baby, and so I'm the one that um, whenever your grandmother was traveling to Washington to a um, a tent revival or or to Aberdeen, Maryland, to a, a church um, that we've never heard of before, but the Lord told her to go to. I was the one that was mainly in the car with her on all those different road trips on school nights. So uh, that was pretty much how, how, I, how I grew up, a lot of late nights on the road going and coming, a lot of homework that didn't get done, um, a lot of sleep. You sound like my story. Oh, man. A lot of sleepy mornings in class with my head on the desk and getting uh -huh. cleaned out by um by teachers and whatnot sent to the office because I'm falling asleep. So um, that's kind of what I remember most growing up. Um, and of course, um, as as time progressed, um, it was your grandmother that the Lord spoke to her and told her that okay. Um, this young man, he's he's going to play the organ. So um, by that time, uh, my father had passed away, and money was tight, 
And I don't know where your grandmother got the money from, but she was a woman of faith, a woman of strong faith and character. She loved the Lord. She believed everything she read in the Bible. She sought God for interpretation and for understanding. And so she turned all that into um, action. So she bought me. I was already playing the drums. I was happy on the drums. I didn't want to do nothing but play the drums and, 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 and pretend I was a superhero. That's all I wanted to do. <laughs> I didn't want to do nothing else. <laughs> attempting to walk with God, um, God will stretch you if you allow him to. He will He will stretch you. He will put you in some situations that cause you to lean on him and only him in order to grow and, um, and move forward in that walk. So when she bought me that organ and brought it home, I don't know where she got the money from, but when she brought that, that organ, she brought it home, put it in the living room, she said, that's yours. She's going to play that. And I was like, whatever. In my mind, of course, I just say that out loud. I was like, okay, whatever, Mom. I don't know. <laughs> I know why you weren't going to say it out loud, too. <laughs> oh, no. That would, that would have been a combination of things. A backhand, a hand, maybe my mouth washed out with soap. Uh, and, and of course, the raw the correction that paddle down. So it could have been either or or combination. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh man. So so what made you stop playing it, man? Well, um, you know, lots of times when you when you on on your quest, um You can't see it. Your faith hasn't developed well enough to see it. You hear people saying it, but it goes in one ear and out the other because you haven't received that, that revelation yet. So it wasn't so several years later after um, we moved to Carolina, and, and that, again, was an act of faith that the um, Lord told your grandmother to do, get us out of Dodge, um, to save our lives, and to get us in a place where we could grow and be closer to him. So um, we get to South Carolina, and we connect with um, the Unity Evangelistic Church, East Over South Carolina. Shout out. Um, <laughs> and yeah. there was a group of Shout men, a group of young men there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pastor Lakin, her sons, and um, the others that were there, and just young people that were going forth using their talents and gifts um, in a great way for God, um, playing instruments, singing. Um, and so once I saw that, that gave me um, the encouragement, the vision to where I said, okay, I can see me doing that now. I see them doing it, and I can see myself in that position now. It's not as difficult, as hard as I thought it was, just in my own mind. Um, so I'm, I'm thinking outside of my mind now. So that that was the thing. And then, of course, um, at one point in time, um, the topping on that was the pastor um, prophesied and anointed my hands. And she told me to go get on the piano in church in front of, people i never seen before, and so I'm sweating, I'm nervous, um, my clothes just just began to um, fill with with moisture from sweating, like a bad underarm commercial, and I'm, I go to the piano, and I'm playing. I don't know what I'm playing. I don't even know why I'm playing, but I'm playing. <laughs> so... Uh, I, yeah, that was that was that early experience of um, a a a beginning, um, an unexpected beginning, um, one that I could not have have seen myself, but um, one that was was very necessary to help me to, you know, 
to move forward, get to where I am today. That is so powerful, man. Like, I've only heard of maybe two other people who said something like that where they got anointed or somebody prayed for them and next thing you know, they were playing the keyboard. The one other person that I know of that I can remember the name of was Ben Tankard. And he said the same thing happened to him. And I just, that's that's pretty interesting, man, because, like, when you were playing the keyboards and all that, I thought you had been playing it for years, to be honest. I didn't even remember. I don't remember you starting at a certain point. I just remember you just always playing. That's all. That's the way it was registering in my mind. Like, you always played this. But I knew it didn't start till about 13, but I just didn't know how you could play so well at such a young age because, I mean, we were, we were starting. So I guess by the time you actually got to that point where you formed us, you had been playing for a few years. So I guess that's part of the reason why I just kind of like, I don't know, just flowed. But um, yeah. so now I'm curious because at this point in time, I know you were around certain people, certain, uh, you know, musicians and stuff like that. So you will only pretty much see them whenever we went to their church because, you know, I know that grandma used to always take us out to unity a lot. And so we would always be mingling with them. So we were always around the Lakens, and that was just like our, our family, you know. So you yeah, got yeah. Sheila Lakin, who now sings for John P. Key. She was always leading the songs. You got uh-huh. John Lakin, he would be playing the keyboard. You got David, who would be playing something, like he would be playing the piano or something. And, uh-huh. I mean, it, it's just crazy man like how we were in that kind of environment is like an incubator or something exactly exactly yeah, yeah so what made you true. what what made you um what caused you to have i guess this desire to put the four kids together to start singing i mean what was it that you saw about us or whatever like what what happened to cause that um, you know, it's it's really hard to say. Um, again, it's just one of those things where when you're that young and you hear a voice telling you to do something other than something negative, something retarded, um, you know, doing stupid stuff as a, as a young teen, there's always plenty of, of backward stuff available for you to do. But when you hear a voice to tell you to do something positive, um, something spiritual at that, um, and then you act on it, that also, you know, it's it's nothing but God. Um, can't take no credit for that personally. Um, that that was just God. And then of course, all of us at that particular time, we were deeply rooted in the church, um, thanks to our grandmother, your mother, um, your dad. And so um, we had a zeal, we had a passion, a desire to sing, to be in ministry, um, to pursue the gifts and talents that were in us. Um, we saw these different groups that you mentioned already, commissioning the widens, singing and ministering, doing great things, all their videos and whatnot, and them traveling, and the example that they set before us. And so I think all of those different things were um motivation, um, a drive. It instilled a drive in us to pursue um, the things that we knew how to do and then, um, you know, just, just to get better. And, of course, it was all for um, for God. You know, the one song that stands out to me out of every song that the four kids sang, me, Deidre, Elena, Tony, the one song that stands out to me out of all the songs that we ever sang. Now, I want to see if you might be thinking about the same song before I say it. What do you think that one song is? <laughs> I don't know, because as soon as you started saying that, several... <laughs> 
I got okay, okay. I'm gonna make it two. I'm gonna make it two songs because there's another one that popped up in my head too. But I'm gonna say two, and you tell me what you think they are. Well, the first one that comes to my mind, um, I think it was about the, the Florida Mass Choir at that time. Um, Jesus is mine. I think that was your grandmother's favorite song that we used to sing at her church. Um, Jesus is mine. Um, Man, um, Dietrich used to sing Hide in Place um, and had people bawling in tears. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know, no, what, what you got? Well, you just gave me two good ones that I forgot about, but I'll, I'll count them. It'll be four now. So it's the other two. Uh, so. <laughs> those, those are two good ones because I almost cried just hearing you say that. <laughs> but, um, now nah, the one that I was thinking about, though, is uh, the one that Tony and Deidre used to lead. For waking me up this morning. Yeah. That one. Walter that Hawkins, song right there. Lord, I love you. Yeah. 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 Woo. Yep. That one right yep. there. That yeah, used to have yeah. me crying when I was trying to sing it. I mean, Tony would be crying. <laughs> These would be crying. We would all be crying. Finish the song. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, man. And um, songs that were way before our time. Um, from a maturity standpoint, but from a talent standpoint, you guys were able to sing them, sing them well, and God would take over from there and do work. And so that made it um, just wonderful, man. Yeah, man. And uh, the last song was... I guess this one was more of a seasonal song, and I don't know exactly why we started singing this, but uh, the one where we changed the world, we changed the word world to the church. Oh, we are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Hey, you know, remember now, that was your grandmother's idea. <laughs> <laughs> that was definitely, uh, I know, I remember that. But it was just funny, man. Yeah. Like, that's a song that really stands out in my mind. I remember being at Unity singing that and just having everybody was just up and it was just, they were just into it, man. But, uh, yeah, that was um, that was pretty interesting, wow. man. But yeah, I, I have a lot of good memories from from those days of singing, man. It's like it's so interesting how even to this day, I mean, you can still hear and see the gifting that's on all those that were in that, but it, they're doing their different things down with it. But the point is, is that that anointing still on them, and they're still singing and whatnot, and. It's just it's just so crazy. I mean, we were so young, and to be doing that, that's an extra it's extra uh, proof of the anointing that was there because we were so young. A lot of kids by that at that age are not developed enough in their voice or whatever to be singing anything, you know. Right, right, right. I was I was the oldest, and I was like nine or or eight, eight or nine um, when we first started. So I know that meant Deidre was about five, you know, so, <laughs> and she was leading songs. I mean, golly. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. But um, that was just, it was just a on. very powerful time. Yeah. Yeah. So we were also doing the traveling. Yeah. Uh-huh. And we were all doing that traveling that you're talking about. We would do that with Grandma everywhere. She's going to all these different churches. We were going with her. Every Sunday, yeah. just traveling yeah, in yeah. the night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I remember that. <laughs> yeah, they so, got um, blessed and extended the travel out. We would, other groups and choirs would invite us to come and go with them too. So, um, you know, that expanded um, the ministry that we had as well. Yeah, that was really crazy. And then I remember that one time. When we went to, I might be saying this name wrong, but I think it's called Benson College or something like that. Or, uh, 
how, how do you say that Benedict. name? Benson. Benedict. Yeah, Benedict. Benedict. Okay. Benedict no, Collins, man. You, you go. You go have some alumni manage you. Don't mess up the name of the <laughs> name. <laughs> oh man, I was young, so just forgive me. I was only what? I think I might have been like thirteen or something when we went there. Twelve. I can't remember now, but. When we went there, man, and we were playing um, those songs on our instruments, Tony and I, I mean, that was just another level of our talent. We were playing instruments and yeah. just amazing, you know. It was like so much that we were doing at that time. And then and then finally, I'm not sure if you were with us when this happened, but um, were you with us when we actually met Commission? Um. Yeah, I think we we went to Florence um, while they were in concert. Because um, the one the one thing that I remember distinctly, because yeah, it had to be you because, I mean, my mom was into them, but I don't think it would have been like us. We were really into them, so I, I'm pretty sure it's me, you, and Tony. But we were we were at that commission concert, and then afterwards we got a chance to kind of go up on the stage and talk to them. And I remember when Mitch showed us his arm that he was talking about in his testimony, how it almost got severed from his hand, from his arm, right. his hand, right. how it almost got severed from his arm. And he showed us the scar and everything, man. I remember looking at that and just, you know, it was just, I don't know. It was just a very amazing moment for me to be able to actually see them in person. You know what I'm saying? But, um, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> but, yeah, I mean, we had so many, you know, uh, just good memories from back then, man. Now, I want, yo, this is one story. I got I got to hear it from your perspective because I remember some things, but I forgot a lot of details because I was much younger. But remember that day when we came, and this was like when we had, when we first moved down there, and we were going to this school, I think it's called Rafting Creek or something like that. Exactly. Um, so we were on our way to the house, and when we got there, there was a bee, a beehive outside. You remember that? When when we were, there was a beehive outside like and we were trying to get into the house? So okay. what do you remember about that incident, man? Because I'm, I know I forgot some of the details, but tell me what you remember about that. Well, no, um, basically I took one for the team. Um, my <laughs> grandmother wasn't home. We, we, let me start at the beginning. Um, when I mentioned earlier, my mom, your grandmother moved us out of Baltimore back to the South. Um, it was it was God's plan to save our lives because my big brother he was in the street he was running with the mafia uh, he was getting shot stabbed he was he was selling that ooey he was doing his thing your auntie she was in the club doing her thing and and of course your mom was working hard um, trying to um, follow in your grandmother's footsteps but well, all in all the Lord said okay it's time to go because if you don't get him up out of here um, it's not going to end well so. Um, I was on my way to sixth grade. We moved to Baltimore. We moved to South Carolina. Um, your mom sent you with us, and um, we started school down there in the boonies, back up in the middle of nowhere, um, and we lived in a little house behind um, my aunt's house. No one in water. No central heat, no central air, a wood-burning stove. We had to get water from the well in the morning and in the afternoon for drinking water, for dishes, to wash with, all that kind of stuff. It didn't matter if it was 90 degrees or if it was 20 degrees. We was getting water from that well, chopping wood, so forth and so on. So Now, didn't they have an outhouse there, too? Yeah, man. Uh huh. I, I thought I remembered look, the outhouse. And wow. You better look twice before you go in and do your business, too. <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll jump up at you. City <laughs> <laughs> boys get introduced to the country in the most uncomfortable way. 
<laughs> oh my God, I remember that. Oh my goodness. Woo. Yep. Man. If you didn't have, and if you woke up in the middle of the night and you couldn't hold it, you better take a flashlight. You better watch what you step, watch where you step, watch where you sit. Um, do your business mm. quick and get up out of there. Yeah. Wow. I definitely so, remember um, that. So, yeah, we came home from school one day um, down a long, red clay dirt road. Um, It took us about 40 minutes um, to get home from school. And then once the bus dropped us off at the end of the road, we had to walk about a quarter of a mile up to the house um, from the red clay dirt road. <laughs> so this particular day, um, nobody was home. My um my my auntie, she went home, her husband wasn't home in the main house and your grandmother wasn't home in the the house that we lived in. And so we didn't have a key, the front door was locked. But um I was like, Well we got to get in the house. We can't sit out here in this heat for however long until someone gets back. So um, neither one of us saw the wasp nest. Um, and, but it was my idea, okay, Norman, um, this window is unlocked on the side of the house. I'm going to put the window up, and I'm going to gently put you in through the window um, so you can go ahead and unlock the door. So um, that plan was working for a while. Once you got inside and I went to put the window back down from the outside, that's when the wasps just came from wherever they were and they swarmed me. And before I knew it, I was getting stung everywhere. So I slammed the um, window back down and I took off running. probably doused me in alcohol and 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 bandages or whatever, you know, <laughs> home remedies. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and told me keep it moving. <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe give you a little drop of some, uh, what is that, oil, castor oil? <laughs> oh, man. Don't bring that oh, up. Oh, man. <laughs> Oh, I used to hate that oil. <laughs> Woo, man, that's crazy, man. And and then we have like another incident with um with some kids at the school who wanted to fight fight us or something like that. Why you gotta go there? <laughs> I'm just saying, man, because it's like I, I have like faint memories of the stuff, but I don't have the details of it that you would have. Well, look, my my long-term memory is better than my short-term memory, believe it or not. So, um, yeah, by us being, you know, um, I think in the movie Life, they call Eddie Murphy and Martin Lawrence um, New York cities. So uh, we was we was Baltimore cities. We were city boys. We was um, some kids from up north. That's how they referred to us. Um, we were new. We weren't familiar. Um, we didn't have any ties to nobody there because um, all of our cousins and whatnot were, um, I think, older than us and in middle school, high school, and moving on. So we didn't have nobody to watch out for us. It was just me and you. So um, this one particular day, again, on that 40-minute ride home from school, James Hunter, they called him Pumpkin. And they called him Pumpkin because he was big. He was a big dude. In the sixth grade, 
he was at least 215 pounds, um, and it wow. was all food, you know, blubber, wow. um, stomach and, and arms and neck. And um, he was a cool dude, except he was a bully. So he liked to bully us um, every day, consistently, like to bully us, clown us, calling us names, threatening to fight, all the usual stuff. And so this one particular day, um, I had enough. I don't remember specifically if he was messing with you first or if he was messing with me. However that went down, the end result was he got beat down that particular day on the bus, headed to our house, and from then on, he was my friend. <laughs> yeah, man, that. That's crazy, man. I I barely have memories like in the school. I don't know if I remember anything about the school at all, to be honest. But I remember the name. But it's just crazy how I have faint memories of certain things because I was so much younger. I mean, you know, I mean, I've always been the same age difference, but it's just that how old I was. It was like the things I remember is not. I just remember all those chickens and. You know, the different the cows, farm animals out there. The hogs. <laughs> yeah, man. I, I just remember it stinking around there so much. I was like, oh, my God, why am I down here? We, I we just hated it. off the fat of the land. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, Literally. I remember them talking about twirling the chicken to get the head off or the neck or whatever. Yo, that oh. kind of stuff right there, man. That is that's so crazy. But, um. So just to fast forward a little bit, so I know that um, at a certain point in time, um, you know, you're getting close to graduation from high school. What what caused you to decide to go into the military? Oh, man. Um, I got to the point where I thought I was grown. And, you know, when you get to the point where you think you've grown, it's time to either put up or shut up. And so um, I was dating. I had my eye on this young lady. And um, <clears throat> against everybody's better judgment and counsel and advice and whatnot, um, we got married. And um, we, short time later, we were expecting our first child. And so... Um, at that particular time, yeah, I had I had truly committed to thinking I was grown. Um, keyword thinking I was grown. And so um, in that little town we lived in, there was really not much for employment if you did not have a college degree. Um, working in factories, um, there was a Campbell Soup factory, there was a um, a factory that that manufactured brake pads. Um, there was a paper mill. There was some other stuff. And I tried all those at one particular time or another. And um, while it provided an honest living and a paycheck, um, it wasn't for me. It wasn't for me. And so my desire was to be able to do better for myself and my family and um, and then accomplish some other things on a, on a, a, a greater level in the process. And so, um, you know, again, I thought I was grown. And so I go to my mother, <clears throat> mom, I, I'm going to join the military. I need to be able to provide for my family. I need to do some things different. I don't want to be a burden on you. Um, uh, I was out the house at that time, but nonetheless, um, mom would still look out for us. She would cook some meals, invite us over for dinner and she was slipping me a few dollars here and there, just just kind, kind-hearted generosity, looking out for her baby, um, like most mothers would do. But, um, yeah, I made that choice to go ahead and join the military against her, her wishes and go ahead and step out to take care of myself and my family. Now, did she ever give you reasons why she didn't think you should do it? Um, none that were actually spiritually related that I can think of. 
Um, more so, I think it was just um, a mother's fear, um, not wanting me to leave and and be away from her, which I can understand as well, because I was the last one at home. Um, it was me and her. But again, it was it was time for me to um, put up a shut up. I thought I was grown, and so I needed to go ahead and and be able to do something for myself that was going to um, sustain me and my family. And so um, I went on and made that step. It was it was somewhat um, challenging. Um, there was some fear there, but um, I went on and made that step and never looked back. So now I want to fast forward, um, <clears throat> and I want to fast forward to the point in time where I'm guessing you were either looking at retirement or something like that, but um, you decided to, I think you went into reserves. Is that what happened? Um, yeah, kind of, sort of. Um, while I was deployed to Iraq in 2003, 2004, um, my wife was home with our youngest two kids, um, and at one point in time, my oldest son, Timothy Jr. And so seeing combat for the first time, <clears throat> seeing that I'm not only fighting against a foreign enemy, but there are enemies wearing the same uniform that I'm fighting against as well for one reason or another. Um, a lot of the senior leadership, those that, you know, you got to be able to trust the people that are appointed in leadership over you, especially if they're going to lead you into combat um, situations that you don't have no experience in, but they do have the experience either firsthand or because they have a combination of school training and um, the actual experience of being in those situations before. That's what the military is all about. Um, training, leading young troops, and then so they can turn around and do the same for the generation coming behind them. So I began to see these these senior, um, mature, experienced leaders that, um, you know, I trusted getting out. The conflict wasn't ending, but the leadership was leaving. And so um, I had conversations with my wife at that time, um, her opinion, her wisdom, I, I, her godly wisdom, I trusted greatly. And so a combination of um, we made a joint decision, okay? Um, I want my children to have a, a live hero at home versus the memory of a hero. So we agreed that I would get out of the Army. I would come out to active duty. And, um, and be home with family and go ahead and trust God once more for another transitional period and do something different um, but be home with my family. So the Air Force came a short period of time later. Uh, we again agreed that, okay, I've put a lot of time into this. I've invested a lot of time into this, and I'm not one for um, not finishing something that I start especially something that is beneficial to myself and my family. So um, that's where the Air Force came into play. So now um, <clears throat> I don't know exactly where this falls into the timeline, but I know that at some point in time, I'm, I think it's while you were in the, in the Air Force, that you had to go to Kuwait and – over there, you experienced a very supernatural experience that I want you to share with the audience. Well, um, while I was on active duty was my first time in Kuwait, and that was shortly after uh, the Iraqis had invaded and occupied Kuwait for a time period. And... Um, once we deployed into the country, 
we began to go and interact with um, the Kuwaitis for one reason or another to gain support for the forces that were there to acquire needed necessities um, to help us um, in our mission. And so um, both times while I was deployed and then when I went back again later um, as a civilian employee for the Army, uh, both times there, what I what I experienced was how God, His presence, was still there, just like it was here in the United States. But the thing that that I took notice of is that once all of us got there, the the military in uniform, the civilians, <clears throat> we were isolated. It was like um, being placed into a situation that only God could put you in and only God could get you out safely and and sound. Um, There's death all around you. Um, You could drive into an area where there was just an ambush and several of your fellow um, Americans or support um, elements had lost their lives, um, were injured, but God's protection covered you. Um, or you could just leave the area, and no sooner than you leave the area, and this was my testimony, that it would get hit. And again, there was loss of life, um, loss of limb, loss of um, material things, um, equipment, so forth and so on. But um, in that, the devil was definitely trying to kill me. He was using man to do that, and it wasn't all just the enemy. It was those that was wearing the same uniform as well. But I thank God for how, and and through no goodness of my own, um, I really appreciate God for how he protected me and kept me. Um, The prayers of my family, friends all across the world as well praying for me when I couldn't even pray for myself because truthfully there were times when I was going into situations locked and loaded as they say Um, and I didn't know what to expect I didn't know if I was going to make it back but I thank God that um, he kept me So I would like for you, if you don't mind, I would like for you to detail a little bit about that one incident where um, you had to leave an area or whatever for some reason. You were supposed to go somewhere, and then you had to leave for something. 